Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. looking for that yeast that can help you attain the best beer possible that you're looking for escarpment laboratories escarpment laboratories are located in guelph ontario and make some of the finest yeasts in canada if you want to make the beer that you want and have consistent results all the time you need to check out escarpment laboratories hey guys dan here have you ever had a problem getting your glass or plastic fermenter clean? Well, I've just been introduced to something that's brand new. Uh, it's called Scrubber Duckies. It's a magnetic scrubber meant for glass or plastic fermenters. All you do is you drop this down inside your fermenter, use the handle, and scrub through the crud that's left over from the crucin. I've seen a lot of things, but this is, seems to be one of the neatest and coolest things out there right now. If you're having a problem getting your plastic or glass fermenter clean, this is something to use. Scrubber duckies. Hey everybody, it's Dan here for from My Adventures in Home Brewing. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Uh, sorry I haven't been uh, posting very much in the last couple of weeks. Uh, things have been a little busy. Uh, you know how it is with life. And also uh, I've had to reschedule a few uh, interviews just because of what's going on with COVID. And also uh, some potential really cool ones coming down the pipe. Um, we're going to ha possibly have uh, Steve Bouchain from uh, Bo's Brewing uh, later on in the in the month or the year. Uh, I'm probably going to be also having uh, Brian from uh, Short Circuit Brewing uh, on uh the show relatively soon we're probably going to be talking about pressure fermentation so this is something uh relatively new i've been getting into and it's been uh, been pretty cool because you can turn a beer around pretty quick and uh yeah there's a um, possibly hopefully this works out because uh, i'm still trying to figure out when we can uh, get them on is uh, someone very popular or very famous from down in the state so i'm not going to say a name uh just due to the fact that until i can get it confirmed i don't want to get anybody's hopes up especially mine. So with that said, uh, yeah, so uh, this week uh, we did, or I should say last week, I did a, uh, per, a fermentation of a uh, fermentation. Well, that's that's one of the things that happens. I had a brew day for a chocolate espresso uh, stout that I did. Uh, so um, yeah, so this was, my, this was my very first time making a stout. And I got to admit, I love dark beer. It is it has got to be one of the most favorite things uh, that you can make uh, at home uh, with really good ingredients, and if it turns out great, you you, you knock it out of the park. So, uh, if you tuned in uh, last week during uh, the week, uh, I had a uh, a live broadcast on Facebook on my uh, on my Facebook page for the podcast, and. I was answering some questions along the way and about, you know, what do I do? And people saying hi, and it was pretty cool. So hopefully next brew day, I'll get some more people following me along where I might just go onto Instagram and see what happens there. But let's talk about the brew day. So, you know, all in all, the, I love my robo brew. It is a great, 
great, great product. Hopefully the people at Kegelan hear this because I talk about my Roboroo and my Firmzillas on a regular basis. And yeah, this is, they're got to be some of the best products out there that I've used. Um, so we started off early, got the temperature up to about 169 degrees Fahrenheit for strike. And once it's there, uh, I made sure that I had my malt pipe inside my mesh bag, like I always do, just to catch the trub and to reduce how much crap goes in through the pump and in, also into the fermenter. I find this is an, also an easy way to make sure that uh, your beer is actually really clean at the uh, on the final end. Um, so I did that and just to make sure things uh, went well, uh, I used about maybe a half a pound uh, of rice hulls in the bottom. Then I put my oats in because it was also an oatmeal stout, I forgot to mention. So I put my oats in and then I inserted the malt pipe into the strike water and I got that mixing around uh, and it started to spill like really cool oatmeal. And then little by little, because uh, I was using... Um, an old camp pot uh, that I really cleaned up really, really well, sanitized, and was using to put in my grain into the, the malt pipe. Uh, as I added, I would stir it around till I really couldn't stir that much more. Uh, then I started recirculating wort on top of the, the grain bed. And I found that it went really well. Things drained really well, really, really well. Uh, I let it mash for its, uh, an, its hour. And then uh, I brought it up. And, and before I even started sparging, I tried to let as much of the liquid or wort that was inside of the grain drain out before I started adding in my sparge water. So for me, because uh, I don't have a proper HLT, because like most homebrewers, if you have, a, you have your proper HLT at home, it's probably either an igloo cooler or you have a three vessel system where you've got really awesome control and I'm very jealous of you. But, uh, so what I do is I have an old black canning pot that holds maybe about 17 to 18 liters, uh, of water. And what I do is I put it on the can stove. When I start everything going, I'll crank that up and I'll get it up to a boil. So once that's done, I can put everything away. So I've made sure the water is drained out and I'm starting to add in my sparge water and sparging, according to the recipe, takes about an hour and 10 minutes. Well, I made sure it took an hour and 20 minutes just because I wanted to give it that extra time to make sure all the liquid got, all the grain got rinsed, uh, all the liquid got out, and there was nothing left to come out. So that took roughly an hour, 20 minutes, hour and a half to make sure everything got out. Even after I did that, I took the mold pipe out, put it inside of a, of a bucket just to control any mess that may happen and then i pulled out the mesh bag squeezed the mesh bag out for all the its liquid coming out of that trub so all the solids are all that's left and i'm not just dumping liquid out where i could be using it um and then i increased my temperature to get it up to a boil so while it's heating up i'm looking at my bucket and i can see that there's at least another maybe half a liter to a liter of wort that's just come out of the uh, mash uh, the mash pipe and so pick up the mash pipe and I pour that into the, into the, the boil. So it hasn't gotten to a boil yet. Nothing's going to get infected because it's going to get up to about 212 degrees uh, Celsius. And, uh, no, 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Sorry, Celsius is totally different 
totally different beast. And I got it up there and it got to a roll and it was fine. Um, one thing I have been uh, learning is, is that um, I was very, um, very hooked on using a hot basket. But I've been finding that the hot basket is a bit of a pain in the butt, mainly because after, say, three or four uses, and even if you're cleaning it and scrubbing it and everything else, the microns are so small, water may pass through it, but if you put any uh, plant material in there, i.e. hops, um, it clogs everything. And with it getting clogged, it doesn't allow all the goodness from the hops, like the alpha acids, the oils, and everything else that come out of the hop pellets out properly. And you can be in there with a mash paddle, mixing it around, whatever else, and it's not going to do anything. So what I've been finding is I've been using just a mesh bag, and I should have been listening to my friends earlier when they were telling me this is how they did it. I didn't believe them, but now I do. Mesh bag is, is one of your best things to use. So in with the hops, into the boil, and away we go. So I've been finding that with my Robo Brew is that there's a couple little tricks that you can do. One, uh, guys are like very much uh, about uh, whirlpooling. So there are, there are a couple things you can do once it's up to a boil and you've done your hop additions. So with the whirlpooling, what you can do is if you get a couple, uh, you can go to the, your hardware store and get these. They're called A-clamps. So they're just a regular clamp that's uh, spring-loaded. And you can take your uh, your silicone hose and you can clamp it to the side. Just make sure you're not pinching it in any way, shape, or form. So you might need a bigger uh, clamp than what you think, just so the, the hose is held in place and doesn't slide around. And then you skirt it along the side of the robo brew on an angle so it's actually pushing the wart in a circular motion. And you can actually do it that way. Um, I've tried it, it works. Um, not necessarily something I would want to do again, just because the fact that with me, I have a tendency to uh, pinch hoses and things go boom. So not a good idea for me. Uh, what I have been doing is I've been using my mash paddle. I get a circular motion going with that and I'll let it do its thing that way. Um, one thing I have noticed recently is that uh, RoboBrew has now come out with uh, for the RoboBrew and the Brewzilla is a sparge, not sparge arm, but a, a whirlpool arm. So it, it has a male end that goes into uh, the female part of the cam lock, a piece of steel steel tubing that comes up, then down, then bent at the bottom, which skirts the bottom of the actual uh, false bottom. And then you turn on your recirculation pump to how strong you want the whirlpool to happen, and it collects all your hot material and whatnot inside the center of the false bottom that's great try to find it in north america <laughs> good luck because i've been trying and they're sold out and i've actually was talking with uh the ontario uh, uh, was it ontario beard kegs uh company and uh, they were telling me that they've been on order with them since the spring and they only asked for about 20 of them they haven't seen them yet any store that carries uh Robo brew or whatnot. I've been trying to see if I can find this arm. No luck at all. So 
we'll see. So once that's done, what I did was, and I put my, my wart chiller in because uh, I like the chiller they have. It may take a little longer. It's a stainless steel chiller. Maybe eventually, may, I may upgrade to a, a copper one, uh, but the stainless steel one for right now is doing the job. Um, put the chiller in, chilled it down. Uh, what I do for that is I actually run the pump uh, to pull in the actual hot wart back to the top so that eventually as it's chilling it's pulling down cold wart and recirculating on the top just to help it out a bit and i find that actually reduces the amount of time that it actually takes to cool everything down from there what i did was i actually pulled the wart once it's chilled from the actual kettle into my bruzilla i love this thing this is this thing is freaking awesome uh not only have they made uh the collection jar bigger but also the manifold for the jar sits is now gone safe and from like maybe two inches to three or four on diameter which is really great because now it allows a lot more of the yeast and sediment to come down to the bottom so that way you're actually getting more beer than you are of uh waste solids so once that's transferred and I get it inside because I bring my fermenters inside because I brew outside. Uh, I pitch in my yeast. Uh, so normally, normally I like to use Escarpment Labs uh, liquid yeasts or uh, or uh, Y yeast or uh, White Labs. Um, unfortunately, this time I didn't have it, so I use Safel SO4, and I've used SO4 before, and it is a beast of a yeast. Say that five times fast. It is a beast of a yeast because it chewed through the wort in about two and a half days, and then I made sure. Once that's done, it was good to go. But I've stepped ahead a bit. So wort's transferred, yeast is pitched. I'm now using a tilt hydrometer. A tilt hydrometer I find is like awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Because as soon as you drop it in, it is taking a reading right or right away, which is like awesome. But one thing I've been doing now is, is that I've been doing pressure fermentation and I've been finding, I'm not going to go into too many details because I want to save this for another episode. Um, I've been finding that I can actually get beers out faster and also taste a lot cleaner. Just due to the fact that I'm using uh, the natural pressure from the yeast, which builds up, put a spunding valve on it. And if it overpressurizes from you know, past where I have it set, it just blows off and then everything's fine. Two and a half days later, I just move it over into a keg because now I'm kegging. Uh, before I was all about, excuse me, I was all about bottling and bottle conditioning. When you're first starting out, that honestly, that is the best way to go. It's easier to do bottles than it is to go and invest in kegs because then when you have kegs, you got to find a place to cool them and whatnot. I've been very fortunate in the sense that uh, I have been given a kegerator and four kegs, a CO2 cylinder with its regulator, a grain mill. And this is all stuff from a guy who uh, was in the beer scene out here in Ottawa, Ontario, and was leaving it and just wanted it to go to a good home. So I graciously took it and offered him a beer for it. And he said, well, when you have your competition beer done for uh, the beer upcoming beer competition out in uh, in Van Cleek Hill with Bozo Natural, please give me a bottle. So now everything's done. It's bottled. Now I'm just waiting for the hand in stuff before I give them anything. So now with the stout, it's there. Uh, one thing I did forget is that I used cocoa nibs and freshly brewed espresso to get those nice chocolate and coffee flavors in the beer. Cocoa nibs actually went, 
or roasted inside my stove. So I never really knew how to use these until I asked uh, the brewer, my boss over at Stray Dog, uh, how he does it. So what I was told was, is that you actually take them, put them in the oven and you let them go until they start to smell like brownies. Once it's done, you can either just put them into the fermenter or you put them into the boil. My idea was, is if I put them into the boil, I'm going to break them up as much as I can, like I would coffee, put them inside the mesh bag and drop it into the boil. And to be honest, it's one of the best beers on the dark side for stouts that I've ever done. Now, once that's going and everything's chilled down and I've moved it over, like I said, I had roughly about two cups of freshly brewed espresso from the other day and I added that in. This is a way for me to make sure I get, not only do I get that nice rich coffee flavor, but I'm getting the profile that I want without having to use grain and possibly pushing up on the actual uh, ABV. I find sometimes with stouts, um, if they're not done right, they're either very heavy handed on the coffee flavor or heavy handed on the chocolate flavor. So I was being very careful with what I was putting in for ingredients. So if you give me a sec, I will pull up what I was using for ingredients. Going to my recipes here. Hang on. Sometimes I wish I could show you guys my recipes because I think some of you guys might actually enjoy them. So where are we? Chocolate espresso stout. So in my chocolate espresso stout, what I used was uh, American, uh, oh, Canadian two I live in Canada, flaked oats. I used uh, chocolate malt. I used some crystal. Uh, I used some lactose that I, I didn't use the lactose because I actually forgot to use it. Oops. And rice hulls. Then for my hops, I used uh, Kent Goldings and Northern Brewer. And then at the end, I used cocoa nibs uh, for my actual chocolate flavor. So that's everything in there. And I didn't want to mess with it too much because I find uh, if I go overboard with anything, way, shape, or form, sometimes either it's a great hit or I'm really disappointed. So for this, because it's my first time actually doing a stout like this, I figured just go with it, play it safe, don't worry about it, all is going to be good. And that's exactly what I did. And it was, it turned out fantastic. So now, what I'm going to be doing is that I am going to be getting ready to be doing a another one like this. And I'm thinking maybe I might try and see if I can't figure out a way to maybe put nitrous on it. But that's a, that's a, that's a big ask because I know a nitrous tank and a nitrous tap are two totally different things. But that's for another day. So my Stella actually is turned, was done and then I let it go for a couple days inside the keg once it's been tra transferred and it's fantastic absolutely fantastic um i forgot to mention how i transferred the beer from the actual firmzella into the keg well that's the cool thing about having this firmzella because you while it's under pressure what you do is you get uh, a um, beer line from your local homebrew store two liquid and ball locks because that's what i use or if you use pin lock get pin lock uh, or whatever it is that you use for your kegs to go through your kegerator or on your firmzilla or whatever it is you use for your, your fermenting vessel. And you go from out to out. So you're going from the outpost on your firmzilla 
And inside mine, I actually have a floating dip tube. So all it's going to do is pull clean beer. And I'm going to the outpost on the kegs because it's going to push the beer down through its dip tube so it doesn't form foam up. So now what I do is I'll pressurize the actual Firmzilla a little bit more up to about 20 PSI. My keg is already filled with CO2. All I have to do now is release the pressure inside of the keg and it's moving the wort from the actual fermenting vessel into my keg and as an oxygen-free transfer. Nothing is going to get contaminate your beer. It's not going to get oxidized. It is one of the coolest things I've ever done and it makes me feel like I'm actually working inside of a brewery. My wife will tell you that yes, my basement now looks like a small mini, 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 micro, nano, whatever you want to call it, brewery in the basement. Because not only do I have my kegerator, I have uh, the wine fridge that I use as my fermentation chamber for when I'm doing lagers, which now I can use it for other things. And I have two fermazillas, a carboy, a bunch of kegs, my cylinders for my CO2. And then I have all my grain, all my other tools above it. So yeah. I think I have my own little home brewery now, which is actually really cool. Um, so now a couple of days later, and uh, I'm enjoying having beer on tap. So yeah, that was my my brew week, shall we say? So that's about it. Um, if you have any ever have any questions, guys, about anything that I do or, or anything that I've said, please uh, let me know. Uh, especially, uh, I know. I know guys are out there listening, and I would really like to know what you think. Any comments, questions, shape, or form, drop me a line. Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook. You can uh, use the link uh, that's attached to the actual uh, podcast descriptions, and I'll, you're able to leave voicemails, uh, believe it or not. And also, you can also send me a uh, an email, text, whatever it is that you feel great great about using. So. Yeah, that's about it for today, guys. That's it for this episode. So please stay tuned for the upcoming episode with Brian Huntley from Short Circuit Brewers. Uh, it, I didn't want to get into it too much because uh, about pressure fermentation because I am going to be talking uh, with uh, with Brian about that. And maybe I might be talking about something else that I have planned for a little bit down the road, a little bit of a dream of mine uh, that I'd like to do here in Ottawa because I think it would go over big. And yeah. Maybe your input and what you'd like to see in this something like this would be also go a long way as well. So thanks a lot for tuning in, guys, uh, and coming along for the ride for a beer or two along the way and one more time around the sun. Thanks a lot, and I'll see you on the other side.